0: Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's Monday, January 18th, Martin Luther King Day. Um, perhaps even a more important day to have on the guest that we currently have on, but I guess first I should tell you I'm Cliff Schechter and uh, here with my co host, John Aravosis. Hey, John. Yeah. Hey. So we were lucky enough to land for today. We are with Dr. Ruth Ben-Ghiat. better have said that right this time too, Ruth. Um, she is a scholar um, of history, particularly on authoritarian movements and Italian studies at NYU. Um, Ruth also wrote a book that came out in November of last year, kind of an important time, called Strong Men, which is probably the first, no, probably is the first book to put Donald Trump in perspective Uh, of comparing strongmen over the last century or two. Um, You'll hear a lot of the other names that will sound familiar to you and where he falls in. Um, uh, Ruth also writes uh, regularly for CNN and other outlets on authoritarianism, fascism, strongmen, and all that fun stuff we've gotten to experience Mm -hmm. over the past four years. Um, Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Our pleasure. Um, So why don't we just jump right into it? You wrote a great book in Men, and you, you obviously did a comparison of men, and we've talked about that on this show because my background was in history too until I didn't write that, that dissertation I should have written. Um, but um, you know, whether it's comparing him to Idi Amin or Pinochet or Mussolini, um, where would you put Donald Trump on the list of – and maybe similarities to, to which of these other uh, despotic leaders –
1: so what I what I thought, the reason I wrote the book was, um, first, I thought it was time to, to look back on a century of how authoritarianism changed from the fascist years up through the age of military coups up to today. Because today, you know, it works differently. They come in through elections, and then they have to manipulate elections to stay there. And we've seen how, how that happened in our country. Right. And, of course, I also wrote it as an American who was— very um, worried about what was going on uh, in our own country. So, you know, Trump is he—he he uses all of the kind of toolkit of the authoritarian playbook, as I call it: corruption and propaganda, incitements to violence, um, the myth of national greatness, and it's—it was absolutely extraordinary to me the extent to which his personality and his aspirations matched those of past rulers, even though the outcome's the same. We don't have like one party fascist dictatorship anymore, but his aspirations and the people he admires like Putin and Erdogan are, are all authoritarian. They're not democratic.
0: Right. Did you foresee because of that, what was coming at the Capitol? A lot of us, I'll just frame that question. A lot of us figured, you know, yes, he would love to, to, you know, to, to be the despotic strongman in this country. But, you know, it seemed to me he had accepted, I mean, he's never fully understood what he accepts and doesn't, but at least it seemed like he accepted the reality that that wasn't going to happen. So he would just complain and raise money off of it and always say the stabbed in the back myth kind of thing, you know, that he had been it robbed. I, but I guess a lot of us didn't really think what happened at the Capitol would happen. Did you kind of expect that?
1: Uh, Unfortunately, I did. I wasn't at all surprised because um, I had to turn in the book in the summer and I had time to um, fit in the Black Lives Matter protests or more relevant, the government um, response, you know, flooding D.C. with all the troops and exploring, you know, military options. Um, But I, you know, I the last thing I wrote about Trump uh, is that he would not be leaving office quietly, and that he would we should never underestimate <clears throat> how he would try and stay in power because you know men like trump um, they th- they 're very different than democratic leaders with a small d um, who think about their legacy and you know think about they know that staying in office is not permanent, but somebody like trump uh it 's like a psychological death for them to have to leave because they are addicted to the adulation, to the power, to the ability to control people and humiliate people. <laughs> That's a really yeah. big part of it. And and the grifting, the corruption. So although I didn't know the content of what he would do, it was very clear that he was going to try everything possible to stay there.
2: How, how do these leaders become so popular in countries like ours? I, I, I think we like to think, this kind of thing happens over there to the degree that you know never compare anything to the Holocaust. Cause that was a unique situation. Mm-hmm. And, and this feels, <laughs> this feels a lot like what I was learning in history. I mean, forget to the Holocaust, but how strong men mm-hmm. come to power. It's happening in America. How, how is he pulling it off with the public?
1: Yeah, this was, this is one of the lessons of the book that I talk about in the conclusion is that it can happen anywhere. And you know, in Chile, before the the 1973 U.S. back coup of Pinochet, the Chileans said it it won't happen to us because all around them, all these other countries, Guatemala, everywhere was become they were becoming like military juntas, and they said we're not we're not going to do this. Not going to happen to us. And then and then it did. So, you know, what what I wanted to do with the book is to look at conditions and societies that recur and that make the reception of somebody like a Trump more probable. And one of them is when a society's had a lot of change. It could be gender emancipation, racial equity, and in our country, we had eight years of Barack Obama.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, could be workers' rights. You know, It means something different everywhere. But that is uh, something that you see in every case, that there's been a lot of emancipation, secularization, and so these guys come up, and on the one hand, they're like um, a big stop sign. Like, I'm going to turn all of this back. On the other hand, they, they respond to people who feel like politics isn't serving them anymore. And so they want to shake everything up. So this is one thing they have in common. A lot of them had a past in media or mass communications. And it's crucial that you be able to manipulate the public by being very skilled at propaganda very charismatic, yeah. and you, are, you become what, the, what your people needs you, need you to be in that moment. They will, they will be anything you need them to be. And,
0: so, and it almost sounds like a line from the song Cult of Personality. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know a p- that song, but...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I did a podcast with the Living Color on Cult of Personality song,
0: which is really right? fun. It's yes. just funny. I was thinking of that line. I'm every person you need me to be or whatever it is in there. Yes. It's exactly like um, – John, do you have another question? Go ahead if you do.
2: Why do his ex – OK. I can see why – and I've always felt this. People like a strong man. Not all of us, but I mean a, a large segment of the population, and they don't care if you're crazy or mean or whatever because they like strength. Why have Trump's actions not so freaked out even Republicans? There's a new there's a a, a two polls. I was trying to find the details, but CNN and uh, NBC both this morning showing that, you know, most Republicans, maybe 75 percent in the CNN poll think that Biden didn't win legitimately. And also, you know, half of Republicans blaming Antifa or Antifa Mm -hmm. whatever raid for the insurrection um they they don't seem and trump's approval ratings they don't seem to ever get freaked out by anything specifically he does so that that how does the cult of personality pull over to things that you would think normally they would object to but now they're not
1: yeah that's that's a great question so it's really interesting you see it over and over again once once the and they start doing this before they come to office Mm. uh uh they they start bonding with the people. They tell the people what they want to hear. They make themselves into what is needed and what is lacking in the culture at that time. So greatness. Um, So they, and and once people um, bond to them and believe in them, they will believe anything they say. They want to believe anything they say. So the believing in them and bonding to them is absolutely crucial because once this, It's, it's terrible, but once this process like fuses, they become like Teflon man. And you saw this with Berlusconi in Italy, nothing the guy did, you know, like dozens of corruption trials, sex scandals, like anything, nothing touched him. Um, and so, and so it's, it's this need, and this is also why like these guys have success when there's a lot of anxiety about male authority and male status, so people really want to, be, to believe them. And, and then there's another twist that doesn't get um, talked about enough that some, like it's you, we can't really say that all Trump supporters are just believing stupidly. That's, that's a bit condescending. Some of them know very well that he's stretching the truth or he's just pulling a fast one. But they like that because that's part of his transgressive, breaking the rules, maverick personality. So the right. lawlessness, so everybody's talking about the big lie right now, um, and that's a thing, but the lawlessness is what makes the big lie work because some people believe because they're gullible, but other people really like the fact he's sending a big F you uh, to the establishment.
2: God. I mean, so that the lying is a, is a, not just a feature of his intent, but it's a feature of what the public likes about him?
1: yeah th- that and and the larger lawlessness so this is why for example right before the election 2016 when the access hollywood tapes came out and you know where he was boasting about <clears throat> when like this is when you're a star they let you do it you don't have to ask right. so it's the man who's just taking what's his so everybody thought this was going to sink him right you know yeah. how can you be but instead it made him more popular because there's this glamour of lawlessness, so I, I write about that in the book a lot. In fact, I added a corruption chapter, um, and worked through, did a lot of research to add that chapter because it's really key. This macho lawlessness is is very important, and I think people like Lindsey Graham and William Barr in our country get they got very energized by having somebody who let them break the rules.
0: I think yeah, that's it, part. Of that. It's interesting you say that. It it kind of makes me think about the cowboy myth in this country, right? Of like Mm -hmm. the strong man who doesn't, you know, he doesn't follow the rules and goes out West and conquers the barbarians and whoever they may be, you know, that, that, I mean, and and those myths exist in other countries too. Um, So that, you know, it's almost like, and we, obviously, there's a lot of movies that glamorize the mob, for example, you know, those that rise above and just say, It feels a little Nietzschean, in fact, (laughs) that are just, you know, they're not the rules aren't there for them and that strength that he's infused with. uh, So combined with that, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, well, the the Western thing, um, when he said and this was like the huge red flag for me, when he said in January 2016, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, this immediately because you know Fifth Avenue is his turf it 's like his in the western, you know like they each have their turf mm-hmm. um, that 's his turf fifth avenue that 's where Trump International is, and he's been playing on that kind of narrative, that genre um, but when I, I remember saying writing about this because I, I started writing about Trump in two thousand and fifteen for CNN and I wrote something about this Western and the lawlessness and People, it was too early, and people didn't really get it, and they thought I was just weird and, and over <laughs> over analyzing. Um,
0: I'm sorry, I'm not laughing uh, at you. I'm laughing at people no, thinking you're weird for doing like your expertise.
1: <laughs> it was too early. Well, there, there's. It was too early for people to hear this. They didn't, and this is this. I do want to say that in, in our country, we've never. We've never had a dictatorship or uh, certainly our democracy is actually quite young if you think about equal voting rights, but we've never had experience of national dictatorship. So all people know is democracy. So they really don't have another frame. They didn't have the right frame to look at Trump.
2: What is the best historical comparison then? Because this is one of the points that I've raised a lot in the past is people get upset. Anything you the raid on the Capitol. An insurrection is not an insurrection. A coup. It's not a coup. Like, everything Mm -hmm. we bring up, the problem is since it hasn't happened in American history and fascism, we went abroad to fight fascism. We Mm -hmm. didn't fight it at home. We find any comparison to be absurd. What is the correct comparison for who Trump is? Can Can I throw in one quick
0: thing, John? I I think it's important to mention that. We've never had it nationally, but I do think one could argue that in the South, um, mm-hmm. certainly, there that it was fascism and there were governments overthrown. Mm-hmm. I just, To me, it seems yeah, like there I never has been it. a national sort sure. of – the way it was portrayed by the Dunning School and the folks back then was that it was all, all positive. So I don't think we've mm-hmm. ever understood – and you can tell me I'm completely yeah. wrong, Ruth, about that. But it's sort of like we've never understood what this is because we've never reckoned with it um, and talked about it in that way.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, And uh, I think that, like, there isn't one person who Trump channels. What's really scary, and the reason I don't actually Call Trump a fascist. Everybody's always trying to get me to call him a fascist. Um, <laughs> I've had like fights with Midi Hassan on this on air with the,
0: because oh, I, on, do I, it on this podcast for the first time, so we
2: can say we got you. Too. Well, no, I'm here's kidding,
1: the thing. He's it's it's actually um, what oh. could be you could think what could be scarier than fascism, but he's actually something larger. He's an authoritarian because he takes stuff. He definitely takes many things from the fascist period and there's a reason people compare him to Mussolini, right? I mean Mussolini and not Hitler is the better comparison because Mussolini was a prime minister for 3 years in a di- in a democracy and then right. he declared dictatorship because he was he was fingered in an investigation. So he he the first dictatorship in history in modern history was to get out of going to jail for a corruption investigation.
2: Which, but yeah, so
1: yeah. So Trump does the the propaganda, the lying, right. the leader cult, definitely, and all the way he uses his body. That's why people, you know, think he's like Mussolini. But he also takes like, look what he's done since he lost the election. So he investigated like military intervention and look at all the stuff in the summer where you flooded, he flooded. So that's like more like the age of military coups, like and then he's also like emulating people who aren't fascist, like Erdogan in Turkey and Xi and in China and Putin, of course. Um, so what he's trying to do is like he really channels the entire history of authoritarianism. And one of the things I, I hadn't realized till I did the research for the book is the people around him this is just really scary, have decades of experience in wrecking democracies. So Roger Stone and Paul Manafort had a lobby, uh, they had a lobbying firm, and they worked for Mobutu in the Congo, who's in my book, who's very interesting. They worked for Ferdinand Marcos in the Philippines to like oversee his fraudulent election. Hmm. So it's way bigger than fascism. Hmm. That's that's the sad part of it.
0: It's sort of a whole history of authoritarianism, and these guys bring it, and right, yeah, and, and yep, yeah. and, and I mean, and not to mention, you know, but I think out loud, Seb Gorka, who obviously that was more sort of but fe- fascism, but obviously it ties to the kind of the the old what Nazi party in Hungary that had changed their name and kind of rebranded slightly. Um, he seems to have a lot of people around him that understand this stuff. Do you he think? Does. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Do you think with him? So it's more worth saying because obviously he's not—he's ignorant. He doesn't study history. It's—it's it's always seemed like you know conventionally he's not very smart, but he seems to have this animal instinct for knowing what brings out the worst. You know, to to, to sort of win over whatever crowd it is he's talking to in the moment. Is, is it, would would that be a way of a accurate way of portraying him, and is that an accurate way of portraying other? Figures like him, or do they just have this animal, because you brought up charisma, do they Mm -hmm. just have this sort of instinct to know how to appeal to large groups?
1: They do. And Mm -hmm. and bringing out, I'm glad you said that phrase, bringing out the worst. In fact, one of the last things I say in the book is that they, they, they make people be their worst selves um, because they make them complicit. I mean, people are already pretty bad who would, who would, Conspire with him, but they make them even worse because they legitimate lawlessness, and nothing's off the table. Tre- treason, anything can go and so this is kind of this is why it's so scary when I realize that Trump has exactly the same personality as, as all these other guys. He's amoral, he'll partner with anyone, um, right. the ends justify the means. you know winning is all that matters. Uh, and these are. this is a mentality that leads to destruction.
0: you know. So what you're saying is we probably shouldn't continue to give him security briefings after he's president. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I think so. John <laughs> I, and Joseph. I'm not – like we're not out of the – we're, no. uh, we're not – it's not done yet. It's like I, I'm not going to – it's gonna... still – things could still happen.
0: Ooh, well, elaborate on that maybe. <laughs> what are you scared of that might happen at this point that he might try to do?
1: Um, he's, you know, I, I I think that January, when he said that January 6th was a, uh, he made that speech on the 7th, which was supposed to be, you know, where he actually said, you know, I love you and all this, but he said, our journey is just beginning. And, uh, it was interesting that there were yesterday, there were supposed to be all these marches, armed marches on state capitals. And I don't think that that there were some, but it wasn't a huge thing. But he, I think he will become a kind of uh, agi- extremist agitator because he's unleashed from the White House. And he'll be able to actually work very effectively to like c- continue to energize all these extremists. Um, and uh, I also think that inauguration should be virtual. Um, I think it's too dangerous.
0: It scares yeah. me too. I was just... Well,
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Cliff. Were you saying something?
0: No, I just said that's what scares. I'm getting scared about this inauguration. Yeah. The more you read about the vetting of the National Guard, but go ahead, John. Sayer.
2: I was I was Googling, excuse me, while you were talking because you made me think of something when you were talking about sort of the absolute power these guys want and feel they have. You may have seen the quote from Madison Cawthorn, who's this new Republican member of Congress. Is he mm-hmm. North Carolina, Cliff? Yeah, he is. North Carolina Uh, folks would recognize him because he's around 25 blonde haired uh, in, in a wheelchair after apparently a really bad auto accident. He was paralyzed from the waist down. So you'll know who he is if you see him. Um, very also, important
0: to add, John, not yes, to cut you off, but that he yes, liked to talk about how he, his, his goal in life or he, what he wanted to go see was the eagle's nest in Germany and was ecstatic and took pictures okay. there, which may tell you something about him.
2: Go ahead, John. Yeah, that's Hitler's retreat, right? Well, I should um, have said that, yeah. So, listen, listen to this quote he said the other day. You think he's talking about becoming a member of Congress? You think of a Harry Potter or a Gandalf, who's the all-powerful wizard in Harry Potter, or a Gandalf in one of these great works of fiction. They're handed a wand, and you as the viewer, you don't know exactly what they can do with that wand, but you know it holds incredible power. That's a lot what it's like coming into Congress, because there's really no limitations on what you can and cannot do in Congress, aside from what the Supreme Court will allow you to do. God. (laughs) And I'm looking at it going, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. No limitations on your power, oh great one. Yeah, yeah
1: and this is and think of uh, Tommy Tuberville and there are these people who are are and Marjorie Green, the, the one of the most long. If you think like what what are the things awaiting us that are a big problem mm-hmm. in 2021? Uh, you know, the Trump era legitimized this extremism, and now these people are in our government. And they are, um, they have a profound ignorance of history, which wouldn't necessarily matter, except they seem to like the most, um, you know, they like Hitler, some of them. Um, and, and they no, don't sorry, one recognize- of the, one of the,
0: Yeah, one yeah. of them even gave him a shout out, didn't she? In her, uh, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Like, yeah. Hitler was right about some things. Sorry, I just.
1: So these, no, there. these are really important. Like they're, they're each one of them. You could say, oh, okay, she was just joking. But. There's too many of these people. So between the QAnon and the neo-Nazis and people who just don't recognize rule of law, uh, mm-hmm. like this Madison person, uh, who also, um, they, they're not interested in democracy. They're not interested in um, ethic, public ethics and rule of law. It's a waste of time. And so this very immature, like, I'm just going to have all this power, you know, where I'm, did they get I'm that from Trump?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, Trump's all about like you know how many think about the number of times we heard him say stuff like when he when he had a meeting with Z he came China he came away from that saying oh, he's president for life he can stay there and and how many he's times so
2: excited
1: yeah remember those stupid yeah. ads each one of these things can seem like a joke like he had the Trump Trump organization or the campaign had this ad where. It was like Trump 2024, Trump 2030, Trump, and so it would be Trump forever. But this is really his vision of like he deserves to be there forever.
2: Um, What do we do to de-Trumpify the name? And not even de-Trumpify may even be too vague of a term. How do we – we have now been radicalized. The polls show, as I said, 75% of Republicans think Biden didn't legitimately win. What has to happen to turn this around?
1: Um, I'm, you know, one one optimistic uh, thing, perhaps overly optimistic, is that although there is a big core of Trump voters who will are just gone right now, they're just lost to the cult of Trump. I do think there were other people who voted for Trump who um, maybe are not like enamored of him, but they believed that Biden would be socialist apocalypse right and i think that as as the new administration settles in maybe in 6 months when they see that socialist apocalypse didn't come and in fact maybe you know the state started to to manage coronavirus better maybe they will be more persuadable but we have to we can't give up on persuading them and bridge building stuff is really really important because otherwise we'll like just be polarized forever
2: are they persuadable i guess what what does history show us in terms of the masses that glom on to an authoritarian um i I guess my gut would be you know once you sort of go there, you never go back it, Can they deprogram themselves just by looking at facts in society like you said
1: well the the reason that those that again the fascist um references are not are not so good is because they're in one party States. You don't have any opposition. You have no independent media, nothing. Okay. And one of the reasons we, we we've had a really interesting civics lesson for the last four years, because all the stuff that these guys do, normally you don't get to hear about it except from people who fled into exile or somebody like Alexei Nelvani in in, in Russia, right, and then they keep being put in prison or poisoned. But we got to see all this because of the tell-all books, the leaks. The right. because he didn't actually wreck, you know, he didn't ruin uh, the free press. So, so that will continue on. Um, a lot will decide what Fox News decides to, will be about. What Fox News decides to do? Um, are they, you know, they they they're actually. I know fewer people want to watch them right now, but they're a big factor. So I think some of these people will be persuadable because there's always a group of people who were situational voters, um, who were just scared. It was Trump or nothing. Um, and maybe they will see that, that uh, the post-Trump is not indeed the end of everything.
2: Let me not devil's advocate you, but throw a follow-up on that, which is Fox News started to get better in the last few months. Uh, a lot of us think maybe it was you know Dominion lawsuits, the uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Seth Rich lawsuit, a lot of these lawsuits that scared them, or maybe they saw the handwriting on the wall and saw Trump was wasn't going to get reelected. But Fox News got a little better, and all it earned Fox was competition from OAN and Newsmax, and a lot of their audience leaving. And you even see uh, during the protest videos, they're showing some TV in Congress with Fox News on it, and this woman is like, you know, pinching the heads of the Fox hosts, you know, saying, "Get away, get away." <laughs> So in that case, I mean, very anecdotal, of course, here, but but clearly there's been this turn away from Fox. Oh, no, Fox isn't telling the truth. Fox has betrayed us and become liberal. Mm -hmm.
0: But can I say something quickly, John? The thing is, and I want Ruth to answer it, too. I, I think Fox is still unique in that Fox has been given this sort of mainstream media credibility. People mention it alongside of MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. You know, alongside of NBC, CBS. I, I, it's not but, to say people still won't get it from OAN and, and these others. It's just to me they've always been uniquely dangerous, in their ability to mainstream some of this stuff. But
2: let me let's. Let, well, and let Ruth- and but this is my question for Ruth though. But and are they uniquely qualified for? deprogramming people i'll keep using that analogy or Mm -hmm. or will people just now say oh you've now changed the message i don't agree with you so obviously you're now part of the enemy too
1: um i don't think they're uniquely qualified but what we do know is that propaganda uh and also and thus uh deprogramming works through repetition um that's funny that's yeah, and and this is why Trump was extreme. Wow. People say Trump was lazy, but he worked really hard at at repeating up to a hundred tweets a day. Sat and it also works through saturation. Um, wow. You hear the same messages and different on different media and stuff, and he did that too. That's so funny. I think
2: yeah. if if yeah, Fox, funny. yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, no, just it's something Cliff and I talk about on the show a lot for the last couple of years because we're both uh, you know, political, elections, marketing experts. And we are always talking about repeat your message, repeat it, repeat it, mm-hmm. repeat it. And on our side, we, Democratic side, we often feel like that doesn't happen. It's kind of the, oh, I put out a yeah. press release. I put out, a, I had a client tell me that once years ago. Oh, we put out a press release on that. I'm like, yeah. But, <laughs> and no, what's, it's, what's it's the true. message tomorrow, the next day, the next day? And The Republicans get that. Trump certainly gets it.
1: Well, one of the most uh, interesting things I read that when I was doing my research on for the book about the how Trump won in 2016 was an article by Andrew Morantz in the New Yorker where he looked at this e-commerce model that Brad Parscale used. How and he got somebody. He had a quote saying, "We could have been selling sneakers, but we were selling Trump." And they had 66 million uh, separate. Uh, ads that they placed on Facebook, each one slightly varying the same message. Um, Hillary Clinton campaign had 65,000. So they wow. were playing a different game, totally different game. This, and so the scale of what Trump did coming into office and then once he had Twitter and et cetera, we, no one had done that before. And he does, he comes from marketing. Right. So I think, I think that um, some of this Nefarious expertise can be used um, to uh, start um, giving a counter message, and I think it's you know it doesn't doesn't always work. And again, these are these are not like Nazi denazification didn't work at first. And again, it's not a good analogy because there wasn't any opposition media, but people thought it was just lies. Uh, but eventually uh, it, it affected some people, but they, when they. Mean,
2: sorry, I do not mean to interrupt you, but you mean lies like when they were telling them what atrocities the German troops yeah. did, people didn't believe it.
1: At first they didn't. And then over time it, it worked more and they also had programs and schools and stuff, but it has to be subtle. It has to be repeated and subtle because if you hit people over the head and make them feel guilty and bad, then right. they, na- human nature just, doesn't want it.
0: They get defensive then, and yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you know, I mean, it's not the same thing as as you said as denazification because we haven't been in the all control of Trump and Trump talking points and all that. But with the amount of media they do have, I mean, we just saw some study that disinformation went down online seventy three percent after they took away Trump's like, Twitter and uh, right. So and some of the other guys, right, Steve Bannon, whatever. So I mean, here's the thing, and I bring this up a lot, but This seems even more relevant with you here. You know, do we have a responsibility then? This isn't to me about the First Amendment, right? We have exceptions, child pornography, inciting riot, these kinds of things. You know, Germany doesn't allow Nazi symbols. You go to prison for that, or you certainly can get charged for that. You know, can, can we effectively, does it make sense for us to do some of these things and say, look, we're allowing too much and there have to be some limits, even under free speech, to what people can say and do and, and lie about, frankly, to a wider audience.
1: Yeah. Well, I think like lies, that's just, you know, lies, uh, lies shouldn't be, they're not good for anybody. Um, incitement to violence is not good for anybody. Um, I actually have, I, c- I couldn't believe I found this in, in a German um, picture archive. I have a, 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 po- a picture in the book of a poster of Hitler when, you know, Hitler was trying to um, get into power for like a whole decade in the 20s. And he was kind of seen as a loser and a maniac and nobody wanted to publish Mein Kampf. And he was... Crappy inciting- artist, too. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> he, he was um, inciting violence, obviously. And this was after his failed putsch and he'd been in prison. So he had a German states at the local level had a speaking ban he wasn 't allowed to speak in public, and during that time, the Nazi Party uh, made a poster with him with his mouth taped shut taped shut, so he became like the silence truth teller, the cancel culture victim right, right. and I put that in my book because like you know this is not new stuff; the right wing is always complaining about being cancelled, but then what happens when you no longer cancel them? And uh, he convinced the German states that he was going to abide by the law. They put the speaking ban off and then look what happened. Um, no. So I think we do have to have some lying, incitement to violence, um, harm to people, uh, inciting harm to others. Those are just right. some basic civic. If we care about democracy, these are some basic. Protecting truth, um, You know, discouraging violence, those are just basic principles
0: thank you for saying that considering i've asked so many people on this show and most will just say first amendment first amendment the only thing that you know counters speech is more speech and and i, and I want to be like that's you know talk to people in rwanda about that you know i mean you know sometimes speech gets 800,000 people killed you know and and i'm not it's not to say that i'm not a big free speech advocate i'm a writer i'm a you know a marketer or whatever but at the same time i appreciate your saying that cuz it just feels a lot like we need to draw some lines in some places, particularly with those that we're allowing to call themselves news, like Fox. There's things online we can't help, but uh, I, I think if you want to say something. Go ahead, Ruth.
1: No, just, it, it's just, it has to be, it, it is very dangerous, um, but that's why I, I only support it in the case of, you know, a lie is a lie, uh, incitement to violence is incitement to violence. Like those are not things that are going to um, benefit democracy. And and part of the reason this goes back to the um, issue, the the situation that America is in, that nobody, people were not familiar with um, non democratic frames of reference. So journalists fell into the sometimes the both sides yes. because they thought they had to be fair, and and so they amplified, as did everybody on Twitter, et cetera, amplified you know, right-wing propaganda, um, dangerous, violent propaganda. And that's where you were saying, as soon as Trump got off, it fell. It fell like hugely. Yeah. Um, so that's another example of um, you, can, you, can, um, you can work to um, make a more healthy uh, climate uh, for democracy protection.
2: Ruth, you got. I mean, we've got a couple more minutes. I know you've got to run. What is your prediction of what's going to happen? Are we going to get over this? Are things going to get worse before they get better? Are they going to get worse before they get worse? What? Where are we heading as a country? Or,
0: or are there things we can do to get better? Or if we don't do them, we get well, I worse.
2: want to hear this both. Though I want to, I yeah. want to hear what, what, what she thinks is actually going to happen in the coming years, but also exactly what, what we should be doing.
1: Yeah, I think that what I what I'm worried about is to go back to this idea that Trump could serve and tr- Trumpists including Donald Trump Jr. etc. they could be these kind of outside agitators because the playbook would be to make America difficult, so difficult to govern. Uh could be acts of violence, could be to to kind of spread the idea that Biden and Harris cannot govern America effectively, that America is indeed becoming the socialist or apocalypse, the rusted landscape of doom that Trump always said it was. And that would prepare uh, for a return to the White House. Also, you have the 2022 elections, but it would create more appetite in the public for savior politics, for the Trump model of politics, for authoritarian quote, law and order rule. So that's I, that that hap, that's happened in history before it was in Chile before the coup uh when the socialist president allende came in and here you had u s helping this a, a lot, right. but it was mostly Sheen. done by Chileans they tried to there were it was a kind of sa- trying to sabotage democracy to create more appetite for something else so that's something I see as possible um and You know what can we do about it? I think pushing back very vigorously against corruption, uh, defending ethics in government. um, Like I think having a the Biden administration has to have a commission, a national commission to investigate extremism in the military and law enforcement. Like these initiatives that that get a lot of not just with a press release, but get a lot of (laughs) um, a lot of play to show people and like help our morale because people are very dejected right now. People are very tired um, and they yeah, need yeah. to have faith that things will get better. And so initiatives like commissions that are really going to do something that are short term.
2: What know? does that actually do? The commission? What, for example, what would it be really looking at? What, what would you want it to do?
1: Well, until we know the scope of uh, extremist infiltration in our institutions, Um, you know, military law enforcement, but also government. We have a huge problem because Trump, and I talk about this in the corruption chapter, Trump opened the floodgates to the most unscrupulous elements in society coming into the civil service. And we haven't even digested the scope of what has happened to federal agencies, where people who weren't loyal to Trump or were were pro-science, pro-climate change research were kicked out. And who came in this? We know about the kicking out, but who came in like these lackeys, these zealots, these ideologues, um, corrupt people. So those some of those are probably extremists. So we need to investigate and figure out what the scope of the problem is. Um, And
0: they're showing this. I don't mean to interrupt, but like you're seeing these videos now. Going around that folks have been taking, you know, we, and we knew this was out there, but you'll see some of the National Guard or you'll see police or whatever with these 3% badges or these QAnon. I mean, like that is very frightening stuff. And I, I think this is a hugely important initiative you're bringing up to, to find out, you know, how this recruitment happened, how they got into these positions. And because clearly a lot of these guys marched on the Capitol. They're like members of police departments and, you know, and various uh, governments around the, the, the country.
1: Yeah, and I and I it's already happening, but I predict that the Republicans are just going to kind of try and write out of history and erase what happened on January 6th because the problem is yeah. Trump Trump is an out of control reckless person. And he kind of like ruined the party and by party I don't mean the political party, I mean like the you know, he he ruined the celebration uh or he, because he took the gloves off and he showed too clearly what was at the core of the Republican party. He's not genteel. Right. So they're angry at him for that. And they're going to try. And I predict kind of just like Mike Pence already started to do when he said, oh, we're the only administration that didn't have a war. Well, <laughs> you didn't have a war, but you had, you had like something that never happened before, you know, like it was like a coup, a, a coup attempt. So, so that's, that's, I worry about that, that they're going to have like this narrative that They don't really want to explain why it happened, and so they're just going to try and, like, bury it.
2: Right. And now a word from our sponsor. It's the start of a brand new year, and if you're planning on making a fresh start for yourself in 2021, this is your time to shine. You might try reading a new book, getting more exercise, or even trying to change up your luck. Maybe you're changing up your look and not your lock. Plexiderm, I sound like Donald Trump. Plexiderm can be the key to a refreshed new look for the new year by taking years off of your appearance and all it takes is 10 minutes. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduced wrinkles, fine lines, and even under-eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours, so you can take the next steps to reaching your resolutions confident that you'll look your best the whole time. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon, and it's cheaper than a new gym membership. You can try a six-pack application for just 14 95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com/voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines and under eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx that's buyplex.com/voices or call and say code Voices at checkout. And now back to our show. Not to
0: mention they've been agitating for war with Iran. They just haven't, Iran hasn't responded. Um, I mean, it's not like they haven't been trying. Um, Let me, maybe one more question and I'll I'll let you go. I'm interested, you know, we've seen, Holly and Cruz, and some of these characters. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a future fascist on the right or authoritarian leader, I feel like they each lack, you brought up Trump's charisma, the fact that he just breaks through walls and he's that that television personality. Cruz comes off as this sort of sniveling, nobody likes him. Holly comes off as such an Ivy Leaguer. Um, the one that I'm most concerned about, if anybody's going to, you know, is I don't think is being talked about as much, if someone would continue the kind of Trump you know, cosplay kind of whatever is Dan Crenshaw. Who's mm-hmm. got the, he's got the, the patch on his eye. He's got the background, at, you know, mm-hmm. the military tough guy, Navy SEAL. Did you, you see that horrendously just, just cringy video he he made? He's made a couple of them where he's the only one who can save us from the, the leftists in Georgia. And so they yeah. filmed a, a literally a B movie video of him parachuting in he seems to have all of the shamelessness, the kind of grungy charisma, the I don't know what you want to call it. He's the one I worry about the most. And I was wondering if you had taken a look at these characters and thought about who we might have to worry most about next.
1: I think you're right. Uh, I have been asked that before, but I hadn't. Uh, you're, when I Now you mentioned Crenshaw. I think you're right. Yeah, because cause it's very hard to have this because Trump was also unusual because he came in already as a supposed billionaire tycoon, as you know, with, with models uh, as his wives and all of this glamour. Um, right. But you're right. Um, Crenshaw could be somebody but who, who could be a contender in that way. But I also think that the Democratic Party will need stars of its own, people who are electrifying, people who, and they have many of them. Um, they just, you know, we'll see if they'll be able to rise up to being a presidential candidate. Um, somebody who makes people dream, someone who makes people excited and full of and attached to them, um, because that's 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 a lesson, and not in a like sicko Trump way where they have to be humiliated or just it's not an authoritarian relationship. But somebody who can mobilize people who aren't voting because this is a big problem. There's so yeah. many people who don't vote. So I think Democrats can learn from this. And um, and and cultivate people who have that potential.
0: Well, this has been awesome. Um, I wanted to just thank you so much for being here. We we've been speaking with scholar Ruth Ben-Ghiat, is a professor at NYU, New York University, in Italian studies and history, uh, an expert on authoritarianism, uh, and wrote a terrific book. Uh, that I am reading, um, that uh, that came out in November of 2020 on strongmen, comparing over the last uh, 100 years these various authoritarian movements and their similarities. It's fascinating if you
2: like history. Is that um, what it's called? I'm sorry, what's it called again?
1: It's called Strongmen: Mussolini to the Present, and Trump's in every chapter.
2: So. <laughs> Trump makes he'll be
0: happy. Yeah. He gets a lot of. But um, and and I should have mentioned also a writer, often for CNN and other publications. Um, thank you on this. You know, this seems talking about right wing extremism and neo Nazism on Martin Luther King Day even seems yeah. that more important. So I wanted to really thank you for taking the time off of uh, this day off to, to speak with us here at Unprecedented. Thank you. That was a thank
1: pleasure. you. I enjoyed it.
0: Take care and have a great okay. day. Okay. Bye. Bye. She's fascinating. She is um, very smart. And I do, I have to admit, like, I find I'm going to grab that book right away and read it because I yeah. this is this is stuff I don't know what it is about me but when it comes to these sort of religious cults terrorism you know far extremist terrorism far-right movements I don't know I find them I mean they're scary as hell but they're fascinating and you do start seeing yeah. these patterns and similarities and um you know she's really she's interesting um speaking of fascists and others what else do yeah. we have John <laughs>
2: I mean, you know, it's funny for me. The big story today was those polls and it just you had actually raised a point before the show, maybe tell people why that to some degree, maybe why the Republican numbers are so bad in these polls about Biden's legitimacy. Um, For example, they also said, who's responsible for the attack on the Capitol? Half of Republicans said Antifa. And it's like Antifa has nothing to do with it. But but and, and the independent numbers were not great either, actually. Um, right. But you had a theory as to why the Republican independent well, numbers are skewed a little. I don't know if I'd say it's a theory as much as um, questioning, right? I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> well, no, I don't, you know, I don't really feel like I have enough evidence to have a theory. I'm just wondering sometimes, you know, Trump would always brag in the past. He'd be like, 90% of Republicans love me. And you'd be like, well, you'd rather have 70% of a, you know, 100 million from random numbers than right. 90% of 3 million. I mean, you know, like the, the Republican Party has been shrinking because of him. You know, um, and after the attack on the Capitol, after the coup attempt, we're going to call it what it is. Um, you know, there were folks who were sharing, you know, data from, I remember a bunch of it was in Florida, where he's headed towards, which is very interesting, of in places where normally you'd have 100 people re register from their party during this period of time. Instead, it was a few thousand, like it was up enormously, and most of them, when I say most, I want to say 70% to 80%, were Republicans either becoming independents or Democrats because of what happened. There was, I think, a few of them were coming from North Carolina, too. So it seems like the pool is getting even, excuse me, ever so much smaller. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder, as we know, if you get a smaller contingent of extremists, you know, the people that tend to stay around when things get that much more extreme... So I don't know if that's why, you know, the Republican numbers are so good. But you did point something out, which is the independent numbers aren't great either. Not Great. I mean, I I don't think that there's an answer here to not be concerned. I think there's an answer of there may be a couple factors going
2: on. It may have been like 65 or 62 percent of independents think Biden legitimately won. And I was going, are you out of your minds? You're independent.
0: But it was interesting to see, you know, and again, that's why it's hard to read all this data Mm -hmm. because that. There are at least three polls I saw, CNN, um, I think Morning Consult was a second one. I'm trying to think of, I should have had one for me that showed Trump at either 34% or below, which was like bottom of the barrel. His approval rating, ratings, right? One at like 34 another one, I think at 33, one at 29, which I'd always hoped he'd break that barrier. Um, then, you know, then you, then there were, there were ones, um, for Hawley and Cruz and some of the people that have become more infamous in this and their numbers are just awful. They'd fallen from, you know, I mean, not that they were huge because they don't have a hundred percent name recognition. So there's a good, especially Hawley has less than Cruz cause he didn't run for president yet. But you know, you're, their were there are numbers where they're two to one negative. Like they'd have, they'd be, you know, they're is like 40 and their favorable favorables like 17 or, you know, okay. so yeah. it seems some price has been paid, but, but, so I think that there's data you could, you know, uh, there's data that you can look at as both positive and data you can look at as negative. Yeah, I don't know. But I think the point that Ruth made, which is hugely important is, you know, w- w- we need to keep doing what we're doing or it's not us, but what Twitter has done and others, which is limiting extreme voices yeah. um and taking them out of, of sharing disinformation. Um, I brought to you off, you know, before we came on, Will Bunch, who we've had on before, a great columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, wrote a column on what he thought we should do and he brought up the realistic point that we're not gonna throw 139 members out of Congress. It's you know, the ones that voted for sedition. It's not gonna happen. But I think you need to A, send a message and B the ones who seem most clearly involved and you find out we're working with the seditionists, absolutely need to be kicked yeah. out. And I think the ringleaders, yeah. I think you could kick out Hawley and Cruz. Yeah. I don't expect this to happen, sadly, but I'm saying if you could kick out Halloween Cruz and then Brooks, Gozar, and uh Biggs, the three in the house. Oh, right. Who, you know, well let's start with those three, but then and then anybody else who gave material assistance, and we've now had who was it who said somebody has made the claim, and and I don't I'm trying to think who it was. And I think it's a member of Congress that Boebert was giving some of those tours the on the fifth. And if that is accurate she should be, go to prison much, you know, it shouldn't just be. So anybody like that has to be kicked out. We kicked out 12, I think, members of Congress who refused to accept Abraham Lincoln when he was elected as oh, president. That's interesting. So it's, this, is, this is not without precedent. It's been done. Um, and I think, that's an, I think you just have to send that message. But the, the other part that Will Bunch brought up, I think, was just as important, is again, we need to have a common national story. We used to, and the, and the right has destroyed it by trying to, to separate and divide um, that. So what, left is a, it,
2: what is a common national story?
0: Then? That, that democracy, that we all, we all were, we, you know, that we were this country founded based upon pilgrims and others leaving and searching for religious freedom, freedom right. of speech, and that we came together and, and while you there know, were mistakes along the way, we always worked towards a more perfect union and that that is the aspiration of America, that we're all in this together, and that we all uh, – I'll just finish this yeah. quickly and say that that Will said that a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which is what helped bring South Africa together after they got rid of apartheid and tried to have a common national story. And it worked really well there, like frighteningly well in terms of what you would have expected, like impressively well. So,
2: I mean, ironically, though, I think a lot of the things you just mentioned are things that I might agree with you on, but a lot of people on the left wouldn't where I think, if anything, the, right, the, I mean, my God, the pilgrims, (laughs) right, I mean, right, I mean, people nowadays, the pilgrims are unifying.
0: (laughs) You know, it's not surprising you'd say that, John, because that's where you and me, you know, know, we single out certain people, what I would consider the far left,
2: who, who, no, but I would say who also seek to undermine consensus, too. that's, That's what I mean, though. I think there is And it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit. It's kind of hard to get into because it's, there's a lot of different sub issues, but I don't like, for example, when Trump said, make America great again. And I think Hillary finally came out and said what, what, what you and I kept urging was America's already great, you know? And I think it is a good comeback and, oh my God, the pushback among so many on the left, tell that to a black person, right? And I mean, and they're not, they're not wrong. Right. I mean, obviously, but at the same time, there is there is a thread on the left that sometimes strikes me as anti-American.
0: Oh, you know, you're not saying it honestly yeah. enough. There's a thread on the left. And I don't know, you could start saying they're I mean, not. Greenwald the left. would be the perfect example. Right? Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore. They are anti-American. They're anti-democracy. Yeah. They seek to undermine that very consensus. They, they They gaslight in the same manner the right does. Glenn can sit there and, and tell you.
2: Kidding. Well, yes, he can tell you
0: again and again that there's that that there was no collusion. He repeated it as many times as Donald Trump did. I mean, Glenn was selling the same yeah. story: deep state, yeah. no collusion. You're like the woman who was connected to Putin met with them in Trump Tower. You know, uh, uh, you know what's his name? Um, Manafort shared polling numbers with Kilminick. You're trying to tell us like you're you're doing the ultimate form of propaganda. You're trying to tell us that something that we know that happened in front of our eyes, just because Mueller determined he could not find criminal conspiracy and let, raise it to that level, does not mean there were they weren't meeting with Russians and trying to, to you know and trying to work with them. Clearly they were. You have a puzzled look on your face.
2: Um, only because I'm confused where you're going with this. We were talking I'm going about with this is that yeah. from from the the left.
0: Glenn will repeat the same garbage again and again. And so will Jimmy Dore. And so will Bree right. Gray and some of them. It is just not true. And they'll right. say it again and again and again until they convince people. Yes.
2: Yes. But and, but and, I'm going to go even go broader than them though. Even broader than Glenn. Glenn's a, almost a caricature of somebody who's too easy to point to where you kind of go, you know, what's his real deal? You know, does he just not like it here? Is he, who knows? Right. I worry that nowadays there is a, and honestly, you know what? It was a, a risk with the LGBT rights movement. It certainly is a risk with women's movement, with yep. black civil rights, with you know Latino immigration and everything. I remember talking to my cousin years ago, we're talking like 1993 March on Washington, uh, which was the gay March back then, LGBT March. And I remember telling him how just disappointed I was in the country and I'm disillusioned. And I just, you know, being brought up in such a, sort of patriotic America. And I say that in a good way though, not in a bad way, kind of family and feeling like the country just stabbed me in the back. because you was born case. on the 4th of July? I never saw it though. That's the, oh, well, the way the
0: you say it, it feels a lot like that. It was like this traditional Catholic family in Long Island. They're pro America. You fight wars and whatever. And then, yeah.
2: And then you come back and you feel like they don't even care about
0: you. He gets injured and he comes back and right. Yeah.
2: And what I worry about though, is there's validity in that, but it's sort of throwing out the baby with the bath, backwater. I, bathwater. I saw a Ted Kennedy speech the other day, and it reminded me I had done a lot of work on the side for Kennedy's office and uh, for a staffer of his Michael Iskowitz. And Kennedy's speeches were always these uh, – Kennedy, okay, right? Super, super duper lefty Ted Kennedy. I mean super, right? Yeah. They would consider him a socialist basically. Kennedy – Embraced America, embraced the American dream, yep. embraced how great this country was, and said, but what makes us great is that we always strive to be better and we can be better, a more perfect union, blah blah blah, right? It was this very positive, and my God, Kennedy, right? I mean Kennedy, super critical. Well, remember the most world. famous speech by him? Sorry? Remember the most famous speech by him? Uh, no, would it the dream have been...
0: will never die, which was his 1980 speech when he lost to say, Carter. It was, and yeah. even that speech, the dream will never die—the dream yeah. of moving towards this more perfect union. Yeah. It's the language that I was trying to use earlier, which is not to say that America has always gotten it right. It's to say that the whole story of this country is that we strive to be better, and obviously we've been we've screwed up along the way and been imperfect and done some yeah. terrible things. But I think the difference here, John, is. When you're fighting for gay rights or someone's fighting for civil rights or whatever, right. you have the right to, to, to attack and, and the, the establishment of the time if they're not respecting that these rights should exist and, yep. that, and say that you're disappointed and say that this is anti-American and say all that because yes. you're fighting for a specific issue. That to me is very different than agents of chaos who just spend all their time attacking the idea of America, which is what Glenn does and Jimmy Dore and these others do, just constantly going after the United States as we're the source of all evil. You didn't do that when you were, you know, you didn't no. sit there. Yeah, he sits there and he compares right. the United States to, to you know,
2: fascist regimes. And but he's too easy. That's what okay. I'm saying. Let's get away from Glenn. For I, I it's my well, fault. I, I, I brought Glenn. up
0: Jimmy too and Bree and the, the loudest, some of the loudest voices.
2: But they're too easy. The only reason I say this is, I mean, they're idiots. I think 1619 Project, which is worth a really long discussion another day, I got some issues with it. And I have some issues with the way people interpreted it in that I think when you try to point out historical problems and historical problems that are ongoing problems right to the present – If it is framed, and I think a lot of people took 1619 this way, but not just 1619, I hear it all the time. If it is taken as the response to hillary in 2016 this isn't a great country this is an awful country it's a country based on slavery we are uniquely bad we had a unique evil and we are uniquely corrupt right it's it's not even we're as bad as everybody else there is an undercurrent and it worries me on our side that goes way beyond the fringe it goes in the mainstream where we're we're not doing as good enough a job of take us back to your initial point of of um Finding common unity in in the good part of the country and what we want it to be, we're jumping a little too far on the side, almost like the Republicans saying, yeah, we think this place kind of is 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 a crappy place that it was 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 flawed from the beginning. And I mean, flawed from the beginning, meaning a tragic flaw that can never be fixed. It's just a bad place. I I, I just uh, feel that sometimes, and it
0: worries me. That's fair. I don't find it it as much in the mainstream as you. I find that there's a fringe element on the left that is constantly doing that. Um, There are some mainstream voices, certainly Charles Blow comes to mind, other people that will jump in and point out where we have massively failed on certain issues as a country. But I don't feel like I ever hear Charles Blow saying America is a terrible place. I just feel like I see him saying America has done some terrible things. Well, we have Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's the 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 unity that you have to search for is where people say, people cannot, and you and I talk about this, John. I mean I'm on the show, cannot elevate every grievance from a hundred or two hundred years ago above the coming together of this country so that those very grievances they have can be solved. The point is if you're always screaming about what happened 150 years ago, you know, like should Andrew Jackson um be taken off you know money and should he be taxed i I agree i think he should i think you have to have nuance in all this but he was a mass murderer he was a bad person for his time right we have to look in the context of times george washington thomas jefferson some others did some bad things they also did some very good things that were so far ahead of their time and and i think that you know it's hard because this is this is about the things we talk about a lot in the show context and nuance and Mm -hmm. you, you know it's almost like the old Potter Stewart line, the Supreme Court justice about porn. You know it when you see it. Right. Like I can't tell you any hard and fast rules, but I can tell you, you know, Andrew Jackson pushing the you know committing genocide against the Cherokee means I'm sorry, whatever good he did is gone. Yeah. Um, George yeah. Washington having slaves, freeing them when he died, not separating families, not a good thing. But he re- he rejected the you know and, and let me be actually honest about that, a terrible thing. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> he also rejected the crown. He also risked his wealth, his life and everything to stand up against British tyranny. Right. These are the things I think have to be balanced, you know, and yep. and and, um, you know, and I try to make it personal because I know people are like, well, you you know, you don't have family that were slaves. And blah, blah, blah. So I try to make it about stuff. Look, FDR didn't think it was worth the risk of losing Americans to bomb the train tracks to stop people, yep. the, the trains from taking people to the Holocaust.
2: Yep. You know, Churchill was an out-and-out <inaudible> anti-Semite. What's Churchill. name of the boat they turned away? Yes. Uh, I should know that. refugees from Europe. Right.
0: And, and yeah. Churchill was an out-and-out anti-Semite. People, probably, maybe family members of mine, died because of their actions. And yet I yeah. will still say FDR and Churchill, in the context of their time, saved the world. None of us are here in the same way we are now. And I'm sorry, but they were so ahead of their times in other ways that I've yeah. got to forgive them for some of that. And that's the only way I see you can go forward with this stuff. If you yep. spend all your time trying to rename schools, it's one thing when it's Confederate generals because they were traitors and they're held up as, in, as symbols yep. in the south of resistance. All that shit needs to come down. we are going I see
2: Franklin now too. Right, I was Franklin. Say, when I see a school
0: taking yep. down Lincoln as the name, because yep. Lincoln was okay if slavery continued out, if he, we hadn't gone to the Civil yep. War, he just didn't want to allow it in the West. I mean, come on, folks. Like, eye on the ball here. You know, and th- okay, so but I'm not you know
2: what, saying that's a good example, Cliff, what you just brought up about Lincoln. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting to is there's there's a more mainstream than just Greenwald and Brianna Greyjoy uh a message out there about that, you know, we are it, it almost is that we're rotten to the core. And it, it worries me. There's certain precincts not, on the
0: left, and it tends to be in the most left-wing cities at this point, whatever, or oh, not Twitter. even cities. <laughs> left-wing parts. Well, I was going to say, first of all, ignore Twitter because that's not the real world. Yeah, no, Second, no, no, true. Enough. Left-wing you know, parts of, of, of left-wing cities. And, and I'm sorry, but I guess that's what I'm saying is. And I've said this from the beginning. My belief is in liberal democracy. It's in science. It's in progress. It's in reason. It's in post enlightenment principles and John Locke. And I can, you know, sorry, I'm, I get into this stuff. Tom Paine and the rest. So right. if if not, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna obsess over renaming a school from Abraham Lincoln, who's one of the heroes of this republic, even yep. if he had warts and all, then we can't have a common story. And so I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, no, you're wrong, and I'm going to argue with
2: you. Right again it's the <laughs> Ted Kennedy messaging people go look at his speeches and it's it's interesting how it even i mean at the time it even shocked me because i was thinking god ted kennedy he's got to be you know rah, angry about everything and they were these uplifting america can be better it will be better we are a better country we right. are you know we are the land of the free we can change things and you know it's and i don't disagree with him either i mean i'll certainly say on lgbt rights we've well, it, t- it took 250 years but you know We've, we've been able to work within the system and change things, meaning meaning, we weren't wholesale thrown in jail by the government forever. <laughs>
0: and I, actually, <laughs> I'll say you I, didn't I think you to, were have, sorry, go and ahead. I you will know, say it's important. You said – you've said yourself hmm. you know, that you never thought we would get to the point where gay marriage or oh. marriage equality was universal in this country in 2015. Now, I didn't granted, think we'd have it in my lifetime. History can go backwards, and yeah. we now have a pretty ugly Supreme Court. Although even if that Supreme Court will, you know, opinions have changed so much that even if that Supreme Court were to allow it, my guess is it wouldn't happen in more than a half dozen to, to 10 states. And that's still terrible. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. I, I, but look at what happened with, with working within the system, challenging the system sometimes yeah. as you did, but working within it largely, having an inside-outside strategy and what the the LGBTQ community yeah. from, from when Bill Clinton was elected in 92 through 2015. Look at the changes in one generation that took place. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, look, at, look at Obama getting elected twice. I always right. point that out to people. I said, first time, call it a fluke, whatever. but. The second time he got reelected, that's major progress. for And you won't
0: find that, by the way, in any other democracy where a minority what? on the level of African Americans have been elected. Well, find a... it. He's. he's oh, I mean, it, he's, would, he's, it would be like the African American population is what twelve percent of the country. Find yeah. that in any oh, democracy. And,
2: and I would say it's. Uh, the most reviled minority or the most oppressed Sadly. minority historically, yes. whatever word you want to use. So in France, it would be like an Algerian. Algerians.
0: French. That's what I was thinking of. Use right? Indian in uh, the United Kingdom.
2: Yeah. And you know? in although they have, they have a, uh, is and he? I think London, Indiana, the London, the mayor. Yes, he's, I, that's I still the mayor of London,
0: London, not the ah, prime minister of the country. It's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. It is. I'm, I'm a, and I'm proud of London for that. He seems yeah. terrific, but my he's point is good. still yeah. he doesn't run the entire country. It's just the point yeah. I'm making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah. I think that, that you have to take it within context of we have some major steps forward at time and some major steps backward. That's the, the history of progress, the arc bending towards justice and everything that Martin Luther King said. You know, I, 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 there are times to challenge the system. There are times to challenge the consensus. Yep. I'm not saying people shouldn't. I have. You have. Yep. But what I loved about, you know, to bring up somebody not quite as famous as Teddy Kennedy. I'll have said my piece mm-hmm. here. There's this guy named John Aravosis. Mm-hmm. And when you were fighting for gay rights, John, you purposely appropriated the American flag and named oh, your yeah. blog America blog because you realized the power of those symbols yep. for, for moving. And I always thought that was a brilliant you know tactic strategy if you want to call that of yours and i still think you can challenge from the outside and say this consensus you have on whatever this issue is workers rights war and peace is bullshit while still not saying all of america is terrible and we should throw out everything because of our history but just saying you're wrong right now the consensus is wrong right now we need to get back to american
2: principles and i'm sorry you know that's 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 an excellent point. You're right, because what this is, you're making me even have more insight into Kennedy's words, because what you're saying is what I'm asking for isn't anathema. It's not socialist. It is ultimately the core of the American principles we all agree to is treating each other equally, is not letting people slip through the cracks, whatever, you know, social safety net, whatever you want to say. Read the but, Constitution,
0: right? I mean, we didn't right. follow it, but it was all in there. Right actually you know tranquility,
2: what tranquility
0: public welfare or general yeah. welfare was the con- you know all these things
2: and you know Go what ahead. that's why the other guys call it socialism in part is because they're trying to say it's un-american it's literally this foreign idea and a foreign idea from crazy people who who ran dictatorships it's not an american idea right any you name it fifteen dollar minimum wage whatever thing they call socialism but it's they're trying to make it foreign, yes. and we need to make it domestic American. That's correct. our proposal. I'll That's tell you, really, you the yeah.
0: way you did what you do with America Blood. When I was yeah. fighting, you know, on, on, as more on the front lines, I'm still in the I in had the flag the in our
2: logo at the beginning.
0: I know, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. When I was in the front lines, fighting more on yeah. around 2009 to 2014, fighting for for gun safety. Yeah. the thing I always brought up that I could not stand. You talk about messaging on our side. Was I was like, guys, we're sitting there. We're letting them appropriate the Constitution and take this bastardized version of the Second Amendment that any historian or anybody understands it will tell you never existed. Well-regulated militia, if you can read. Uh, It's pretty easy. And I'm like, right there in the preamble of the Constitution… We're t- the, the most important principles are the general welfare and domestic tranquility, which we can't have if there's guns in everybody's hands. I'm like, why are we not using the Constitution to ju- to, to argue for? Right. And I right. always would, and I would never have anybody echoing me. I'm like, come on, that is right. not only right. We are the constitutionalists. We're the consensus. Yeah. We're the people who are yeah. you know and. and that is, that is how I've always believed yeah. you can you, – you best accomplish Actually, Cliff,
2: you know what's funny? You're right. Your argument would be you're damn right I defend the Second Amendment, right, <laughs> right? because you have, no idea, you have no idea what the Second right. Amendment actually says. <laughs> I
0: mean that's why when Democrats are to pee, really uh, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of the Second Amendment. I'm like stop saying that. That's say beautiful. you know, like you just say that you believe people uh, you know have the right to own yeah. a gun. If they go through yeah. a background check, I mean, you, yeah. you need to message all that. But yeah. stop accepting their
2: frame because yeah. they're when you, you, they don't accept, support the Second it Amendment. As as it, it would drive them nuts too. If you said, if you said, I damn well do believe in the Second Amendment because the Second Amendment makes clear that it's a well-regulated militia. It's Correct.
0: not regular people I, owning. I, you look things. up some of my pieces. You'll see oh, that I believe do. very much in a well-regulated militia, which would mean background checks and the rest. Where we have a,
2: a yeah. group of folks who are right, ready to right, fight right, if right, this right. country is attacked and you know yeah 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 because that's what All the right, amendment right. was going. in any case we've made our, our, we can our wrap up. i wanted to make one last point if folks uh as always if you can go to apple uh podcasts and review the podcast you know i did see we've gotten some nasty ones lately some valid i will say you know we do cut each other off a lot so cliff well, and I, let's be honest but um, tell well, us no, guys we, we gotta, Go on. I'm well, yes, as, as I say, we cut each other off. Go ahead. I was cutting well, you off. Well, uh,
0: yeah, but I think we we really have, we've tried hard to learn and, you know, John and I have both, we're both much more used to being guests on TV shows where you fight for airtime yeah. uh, and the rest That was the culture that we kind of. You know, came up in in terms of, and we both realize that we've got big mouths. It's part of the reason we do what we do for a living. We knew that anyway. <laughs> right. But we take constructive criticism, and I do realize that that we've interrupted each other too much, and maybe in the past our guests yeah. here and there. So, so all I ask is, first of all, if you can go give positive reviews at Amazon, that would be hugely, yep. Yep. Huge, not Amazon at uh, iTunes, that would be
2: hugely helpful. In po- the podcast, exactly. Find the for podcast. the podcast, yep.
0: But but at Patreon, like. Show up and let us know how we're doing. Yeah, actually, you know,
2: like, you, know, you know what? Good feedback too, because I think what's interesting is obviously not just the negative, because the negative matters, but it also is kind of a downer. But it matters. It's like it's it's good we got that feedback. Is like what actually is working. Like what part right. of the shows you go, oh, I love that part or I love when you guys approach it this way. What what makes it a more enjoyable experience is is really helpful
0: feedback too. Because John and I, I mean, John, there's something wrong. I'm getting a new computer, thankfully, coming next few days. But my video isn't working. But John um, did his put his video on today. We did this on purpose so I could see when he, you know, is going to start saying something. Let us know how we did because I think we're not perfect. I'm sure we interrupted each other a few times, but we both worked really hard today to respect each other, respect our guest. We, you know, even if we had
2: a point that was burning inside
0: of me, the most important thing I ever thought I wanted to say I didn't say it today if it was at the
2: wrong time. And we are long distance, which is really hard for a podcast. I I really envy the Pod Save America guys who have been able to do it in person because when you're sitting around a table and you can see each other, you get more of that natural flow. Well, especially the guys do it a lot. Let's face it, guys, we interrupt each other. But when we're at least together, we can do this back and forth interrupting that almost kind of works, whereas – Anyway, it doesn't matter. I did want to say one thing, though, about the reviews. One woman – and this is why I really – it helps if you have reviews. One woman put a review from the podcast a couple weeks ago, and it kind of ticked me off because she took it totally out of context. The review says you should never listen to these guys. They actually said on their show that Liz Cheney is a better person than Bernie Sanders. That pissed Um... me off. Do you remember the context? If you are trying to convince majority of Americans, especially people in the middle and the left, if you're trying to convince the Americans who do believe in the coup, who are not us, but they're people in the middle and the right, that the coup is a bunch of bullshit, that the election fraud is a bunch of bullshit, you will do much better with Liz Cheney than Bernie Sanders. I'd rather have Liz as my mascot than Bernie. And by the way – and that would include
0: out. Elizabeth Warren, and that would include Sherrod Brown, and that would, it wasn't an attack on Bernie. It was the point we were making was political strategy. I'm sorry. That's what John and I have done for our lives, and I often think I'm not going to get critical of individuals, but I will tell you there's a reason why I actually like listening a lot. to, For example, I don't, I don't watch the cables too much, but probably my favorite on MD, uh, MSNBC is Nicole Wallace. And the reason why is she's been in those rooms. She's a political strategist. She knows right. what it takes to build a coalition. She doesn't just pontificate her whole life from the outside. And it's not to – I think there's some very smart people that get it who have been on the outside right. their whole lives. But John and I theoretically being here, what we bring to you is we've tried to put these coalitions together on legislation, on campaigns, on – and. And that's the only point we're making. When you get Mitt Romney, you get Liz Cheney, and you get people like that, you have a broader chance of convincing more people in the, the middle. Right. And that's democracy. The right. Yeah. The middle, but yeah. the center right, the 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 right. I mean, and that so yeah. so whoever that was, I'm seeing I'm sorry,
2: I, I don't even see that. But I'm not sure. gonna
0: I mean I'm just I saying, but what, what you, you did there, about that was woman. a Glenn Greenwald
2: thing to do. That's exactly that's it. What what he does. Does. And that is literally the taking it out of context. Liz Cheney is a better person than Bernie Sanders. My God, we've talked more than enough about what we think of Liz Cheney. In any case, it's the, but, but my larger point there isn't that. Cause some people are going to do that is it is extremely helpful for you guys. If you like the show to figure out on iTunes, pretty much you have to subscribe to the show for free on iTunes and then you can write a review. It's really important because we've got some reviews like that. And that just kind of bums me out when somebody says, this is some neocon show that, know loves that wants liz cheney to replace bernie it's like right
0: and here's something else like you know the you know
2: which is guys
0: you're you're as much as john and i are you're our marketing crew and so if you're willing to put a positive review hugely helpful but if you're willing to email friends and family and encourage them to subscribe to the podcast even more helpful, yeah. and if you're willing to put stuff up on your social media and say, "Oh my God, you have to listen because you thought we had a great interview," you yes. know, with Ruth Bendiet today or others in the past or certain points, because in the end, we'd love to give you more content. We'd yeah. love to do more. It's just tough this this model to make it work. Yeah. And as of this moment, you know, this is what we can do. You know, for what we are yeah. able to Actually, afford that's to do. A great
2: idea. Twitter, Facebook. You know, I was noticing the Midas Touch guys who I really like, and I'm, I'm in touch with Jordy the most, probably the youngest one, but they've done a really good job this week, a new podcast, but they've done a really good job this week just getting all of their fans on Twitter to keep retweeting about it. And it's funny because right. I saw it multiple times, and I was like, and I kept saying, oh, they've got a new podcast. It goes to what Ruth was saying, by the way, about repetition.
0: Well, and it right. goes to where we fail sometimes, which is John yeah. and I, we're both brought up in families where you try not to talk about yourself too much, and so we both feel like, you know, we've talked about it between ourselves. We, we talk really, we talk a lot, but we, we try not about, to talk about ourselves. We try to talk so you know, like I'll I'll retweet a podcast once of ours. And I and, and yeah. you know, that's for me and John to yeah. do more of it yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and chastise each other, which is we should be each of us each
2: time there's a podcast for the for the next three, four days, we should be retweeting it yeah. multiple times. Exactly. In any case, you get case, point. I, she was absolutely amazing, though. That blew my mind. I I really god that she's just so good. And you know, I like slow, thoughtful guests because they make me slow down, too. (laughs) You know? It's just easy
0: to understand her points and her... So I'm really glad we had her on. And we've got others we're talking to. You know, we want to bring back some oldies but goodies, uh, but we also have some new folks
2: we're trying to bring on. So hopefully, you know... You know who I realized, by the way, and I'm going to throw this out because if we don't get her, we don't get her, but Robbie Kaplan. I did not realize. Robbie Kaplan, who's a famous uh, lesbian lawyer... Lesbian lawyer. I think it's like, she only does lesbian cases. No, she no, does. not at all. But, she's not, she does all the les- good lesbian cases. But I mean, she's, she's, she's a longtime on. sort of gay activist who is also a lawyer in New York who's done a lot of big, big cases. And Robbie is, and I didn't realize she was doing these. Robbie is representing the woman that claims Donald Trump uh, tried to rape her in the in the uh, in the changing room the, the, of the store. The, the story. Yeah. What's her name? E <sighs> Right. Uh, Jean – a- Jean. Jean. Jean, but there's like an E. Gene Carol. E. Carroll or Jean. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's she's it. representing her. Guess who else she's representing in her defamation suit against the Trump family? Mary. Mary. There's yeah. about Mary. So and I know Robbie, so I just reached out to Robbie privately and was like, please come on our show and talk about these cases if she can, because for lawyers. They've got to be careful. Yeah, let's remember with
0: about. discovery and the rest that yeah. they may not be able to. Well, judge. Somebody,
2: did, somebody did an article on her and she did some interview in it. So maybe she will, but, but I love it. And, you know, and I was thinking too about getting Mary back because obviously, you know, there's so much going on now that, uh, uh
0: Trump, right, Mary's I mean, just, just awesome to talk to. So
2: and well, she was just an MSNBC, you know, it also Mary, Mary deserves a victory lap too. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, Oh God! I mean, she, she, she helped. helped us so much, and Save boy, us. she was right about everything. She still is, you know. All right, the, well, let's wrap this. Um, this is great, as always. Eh, let's see how the week goes. If assuming no catastrophes, we'll probably come back Thursday. Um, since the inauguration's Wednesday. Yeah, Unless, I think we'll, if that happens. We'll check in and maybe. I, come I don't
0: back. even want to think about that. But let's think, think about positive things and maybe having yeah. a celebratory tone on Thursday. And maybe we'll see if we can get someone to join us to discuss some of these things I, i have an idea for someone i think might be interesting i'll talk to you about offline john
2: all right guys then we'll see you this later this week take care guys and now a word from our sponsor Unfortunately, infection rates and hospitalizations for COVID are at all-time highs. While we're nearing the finish line for this brutal epidemic, getting there means staying safe. For the foreseeable future, respirator masks are really our only best protection other than getting the vaccine. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we are flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Right now, the thenewdealshop.com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the United States by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the US and ship immediately for free. Go to the newdealshop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's the newdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. thenewdealshop.com.